My name is Chris Little. I am the host of the Lifestyle Chase Podcast. This is Season 5. Welcome back to the Lifestyle Chase Podcast. And the funny thing is, so often I say... It's been a while since the last episode and I don't, I think I'm just like slacking or something, but without further ado, I would like to proudly introduce a new to the show guest, Byron Wiley. So how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Chris. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's, it's fun to have you on the show because, well, we attempted to record this, I think it was like a, a couple of weeks ago, and we had some technical difficulties, so I decided to table it and try again when we had all the technical difficulties worked out. But in that little segment that we didn't get the chance to publish, I talked about how we got to get to know each other on a better level over the pandemic and just through a funny little protocol that happened where trainers had to supervise other trainers in order for trainers to get their workout and so we just kind of like watched each other do hamstring things for a few hours and got in a good visit and exchanged origin stories. And it just made, for myself at least, it made me feel an even greater sense of community. And I really value that. And I, it was cool to be able to soak that up. I also got to spend some extra time with Mountain Mike. So I really capitalized on the whole like watch other trainers work out so that they can work out thing. So... One thing that I want to kind of bring to the forefront is for anybody who has no idea who you are, I want them to get to know you and like what you're all about and like how you describe yourself in the fitness industry at this present moment. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a powerlifting and strength coach. I I work out of Evolve South in Edmonton. Been coaching for about five years now. And loving it, to be honest, I'm I'm very happy and proud to be able to do something that is my passion as well. I'm an athlete. I compete in powerlifting, and I've been doing that for about 10 years. And before that, well, I've been a kind of an athlete my entire life. Growing up in high school, I competed at the world level in hacky sack, played all sorts of athletics in high school. In elementary, I was in martial arts for about seven years. So yeah, I've I've been active my entire life. So to be able to do it as a career is honestly quite an honor. Well, I mean, something that stands out to me as your colleague at Evolve South is just you're one of the people that's in the trenches with your people. Like, as you talked about, you're competing as well. And you're providing opportunities for some people who have never competed before to feel comfortable competing. And I think that's a big component, just like that whole lead by example thing. And absolutely, it'll look different for every single person. Like for myself, I'm working with a lot of general population. So we'll find unique ways to kind of like be in the trenches. For some people, it's like they summited their first mountain. For other people, it's they PR'd their 10K fun run. And it's so different for everybody, but to see like a coach that's just so like involved in their own pursuit and then be able to be there observing how that impacts other people, that's, that's been a privilege for me to see because like one of my favorite times that I train, I train a young client on Friday evenings and then I get to see like, I basically, I described it to him. I was like, it's a good thing that you're in the gym at this moment because you're seeing probably the best case environment at the gym because he's getting to see everybody all fired up about their bench press PR, about their squat PR, 
Like he was like, everybody just comes together to cheer each other on. I was like, yes, this is like, this is what I want you to see in fitness. And it's like, whether you go into powerlifting or like he could be like me and try out jujitsu and compete in that, or he could do competitive bowling. He could do whatever he wants. He could do esports. but it's just like, then you're seeing people come together as a collective and inspire one another and support each other through the, through the tough times. Like I've seen a lot of your athletes face adversity and just how you're able to take it in stride and everybody comes together. And so I really wanted to put that on my platform and be able to really highlight that. So just saying first and foremost, how much I appreciate your energy that you bring into the space. Well, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate that. I'm so proud of how, how everything's kind of developed. Um, you know, you, you kind of, well, for me anyways, I got into it. Of course, it's just like my passion is to help people, but my passion is, well, strength training. That's that's what I love. And so being able to introduce that and open the doors for a lot of people, because I, like, I, I feel like a lot of people don't realize their potential. They don't think that they can do things. And so kind of like I, I feel almost like I'm a conduit to help them realizing that, no, you can you can achieve anything you want, but it's just going to take time and consistency. And I'm just kind of like the guiding force that gets them there. And when I started working at Evolve, well, but what attracted me to powerlifting was the, the community. Like my very first competition, I didn't hit a single PR. I missed every single final attempt that I did. But what made me stick to it was that like the people were so supportive and they're people I was competing against and people I didn't even know. Uh, I had a gentleman come up to me and he's like, Hey, I've never seen you around before. Is this your first meet? And I was like, yes, it is. And he's like, do you know what you're doing? I was like, Nope. He's like, I'll come and show you. And he stuck by me for the entire competition. And honestly, that, I think that made a bigger impact than the actual competition itself. And ever since then I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I'm really proud that, as I've gotten more into my coaching and deeper into kind of like my powerlifting career, I've really started to kind of like bring that sense of community to my athletes. And then they start to bring that sense of community to, well, to everybody around them. And then now it's, it's kind of almost taken a life of its own. And it is just amazing to see. And yeah, like you say, it's like Friday nights is everybody just comes together and everybody is just so supportive of each other. It, yeah, it, it's honestly, that's the best night of the week. Friday night yeah. at the gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny because it, it gets wild and rowdy. But at the same time, it's like you look at the world from a very zoomed out lens and you kind of see the perspective. It's like everybody in the building has somewhere else that the other version of them might be if they weren't in the gym. And I, by far, hands down, prefer the version of them that's in the gym in that moment. Even if they're rowdy, even if they're loud, even if I've got like a 14-year-old client and people are dropping F-bombs across the gym, like we, we can deal, we can work with that. <laughs> we can take that. It's just, uh, I, I think that for someone to see someone striving to be the best version of themselves in so many different ways is important. Because otherwise, it's just like with the dawn of social media and just all this comparison and like worried about like 
because for example, like evolve the structure of it, there's so many different trainers running so many different businesses. And sometimes I think people get in their head that like, if one person succeeds, that's taking away from them. But I believe that it's like, if we have a room full of people who are just crushing it, we're just going to raise the bar. I mean, one person's success will never detract from another person's career. If anything, if they're open to it, it'll probably add to it. Like, people elevate each other people help them help each other through tough days like i can definitely recount on a number of occasions where i've come into the gym feeling kind of like poop and then i came across a trainer and they just said what's up and it made me feel pretty good and i think that's kind of the the magic of it all and something that can get lost if we get a little bit too competitive or if we get too much on the comparison game there's a lot to be gained from panning around the room and looking for the opportunities and all the good stuff and all the inspiration that can be taken, even if we're in different like modalities or different training styles and stuff like that. Lots of opportunity to, to capitalize on. But one thing that I often talk to people about is goals. And a lot of people are like, I don't make goals or I don't make five-year plans. But I can imagine you have some things on your radar that you maybe haven't accomplished yet, but in the unforeseeable future, maybe next two years you want to accomplish. Do you want to like speak to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in goal setting. It helps to keep you accountable. It gives you direction. It gives you, you know, something to strive for. And when you reach it, you have your, you have a sense of accomplishment, like you, you've done it. Okay, then what do you do? Well, you set the next one. That, to go alongside with that, I feel like powerlifting has kind of been, kind of like fit that niche for myself. Like I've always been competitive. So in a way, it, it's my competitive outlet, but it's always kept me accountable. And I love that it's the goals that it sets are objective in nature. In nature. So either you, you lift a heavier weight or you don't. So we, you know right away if you've gotten stronger or not. You know right away if you've met your goals. So before powerlifting, I I tried bodybuilding, but that was so subjective. And it's like, well, if you're feeling like like crap one day and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, well, I don't like what I see. Well, then that's just a subjective feedback that you're getting and you're creating for yourself. Whereas powerlifting, it's just... You can do more reps, you can do more sets, you can do more weight, you can move the same weight faster. And there's a lot of different objective ways that you can track your progress and you know you're getting towards your goals. So so my goals have always been try to be as objective as I can in that regard. And so as of right now, like I do have goals, I have big goals, and they're actually set for about another two, three years. If I'm being perfectly honest. So as of right now, I compete as an, as an open, meaning that it's anybody within 24 and 39 years old is considered open within powerlifting. And so I'm 36. So I have really big goals for when I actually turn 40 and I go into the next age division, the master's division, just because I, even with the numbers that I'm putting out now, I can be very competitive. So, yeah, my long-term goals are just, at the bare minimum, maintain what I have right now because as soon as I can get turn 40, then kind of like the 
the athlete will be able to be unleashed, I guess you can say. I can really kind of like express my competitiveness uh, and potentially do so at a much higher level than what I am at right now. So a lot of delayed gratification, but at the same time, it's patience and consistency, long-term vision, and kind of just put the work in now because if you do that now, you're going to, you're going to reap what you sow in a few years. So yeah, the big, but and to actually like put a number or to say out loud what the goals are is to be competitive at the national and the world level when I get to the masters. So even looking at the numbers of what national athletes in the masters category in my age and weight class have put up in the last two years, I would be on the podium. So that's, that's basically all I'm, all I'm set for right now. Yeah. In the open division, I'm not very competitive because it's so insanely competitive, but I'm also getting to the end of the open class. And so life is a little bit different compared to the people who are in their 24, 25, 26 years old. So yeah, so those, those are my goals. Yeah. I like it. It's cool to see that perspective of looking at life with a sense of optimism as we age. Cause I think that's sort of like important. I mean, when I speak with my parents and they are 70 and 69, my dad will be 70 in August. I often basically talk about keeping your foot on the gas. Like I'm not, I'm not kind of giving them space to just start slowing down and automating things and working less. It's just like, I find that a person's quality of life is probably at its highest when you find modalities that allow you to be active. It doesn't mean that they have to like run full speed into a brick wall. It's just for them to find a fitness modality that suits them that can measurably improve their quality of life. So my dad follows programming remotely through my app and he does like the same workouts pretty much day in, day out. He has three different days that he does. And then with my mom, she'll kind of do check-ins as to what exercises she can do to improve her range of motion. But generally speaking, like their daily routine is every day they get some movement, they'll do a walk through the trees and just making sure that they're staying active for their mental and physical health. Because I think like as, as we progress through society and as technology gets more and more advanced and accessibility gets even more convenient we start to forget like how life-changing physical activity is and it almost becomes like almost troublesome to people to hear like expressing effort in a day-to-day activity without any kind of like special occasion like that every day is a day to just work and put in the effort and like keep grinding i mean if we don't then we will just deteriorate and as as sad or morbid as that may sound it's just it's the utter absolute truth (laughs) yeah it is so from like a psychological standpoint finding the thing that suits each person i think is a game changer so for you to be chasing after those targets within the powerlifting space is pretty solid but that leads me to the next question Is there an older person in that category that inspires you today and why? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's always, there's always inspirations. So I guess the first guy or the first individual who's kind of like inspiring me 
was actually my competition when he was in open and he's currently in masters. But so in 2018, the last time I competed at nationals, it was, there was three of us from Alberta competing, Mike, Khalil, and myself. And we're all very close in terms of our skill level. And we actually placed seventh, eighth, and ninth with Mike being seventh, I placed eighth, Khalil placed ninth. And the difference between us was, I think it was 12 kilograms or something like that. And that's not very big. That's the difference of making like one successful attempt or not. So of the three, I'm the only one who's still in open. And unfortunately, Khalil's been dealing with some injuries, but Mike is still very much competitive. And he's on the cusp of raising the bar for the the Masters category. And the fact that he's doing so at his age and with a bigger family than what we or what I currently have, on top of everything else that he does, is honestly very inspiring. And it gives me hope that, like, despite the life changes that are about to happen in my personal life, you know, it's it's still possible to actually keep pursuing and, and to be competitive. So I really feed off of that. And then next is, his name's Tim Nadeau, also a national level athlete. And he's, I do believe he's kind of like an, he's in the M1, but he's also older, but he's co- going to be competing at the world level. And he just got into powerlifting when he was in his thirties. He was a, a he was kind of like late into his open. And so he really just flourished and bloomed and got so strong and so competitive when he was in his masters, in his forties. When, like you say, a lot of people, as soon as they cross that bridge, they think like, Oh, it's I'm done now. You know, like there's no way I'm at my peak, but it's, a lot of people, especially in the Masters category, are honestly just coming into their own at that age. So anybody who's really willing to push themselves and seek that personal growth is honestly has just been like an inspiration for me. Yeah, and I've been finding myself needing to have to kind of like lean into that for just my own mental health and inspiration and motivation to keep doing what I'm doing. So, yeah, I would say right right now those are the two biggest inspirations that are that are helping me to kind of like keep keep within my goals and keep my eyes going forward so you know i like that i have a little sidebar comment to make i was training a client at the gym this morning at 8 30 and we wound up in that crossfit corner by the the pr little board that you and the wendigo athletes have going on yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like scanning the board from top to bottom and he's like, holy shit. <laughs> like I pointed out like the people, I was like, okay, these are the coaches, these are the athletes. Like it yeah. was so cool to be able to do that and just like take a moment when he's like resting from like hanging knee raises to just be like this place, like there's a lot of like awesome people just crushing it. Yeah, And we were calculating the kilograms to pounds and just that alone, because for a lot of people just working out for fun, they're not necessarily going to be geared towards like that volume of weight. 
And so they'll look at the kilograms, and even if that was pounds, they'd be like, oh, that's a lot. But then you convert it by 2.2, and it's substantial. It's like move your car across the street kind of weight. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But just super cool because then once again, it came back to like the importance of of environment. And it's interesting because for me, like I've found sort of like a hybrid of environment. Like, so I'll get some environment through my experiences at the gym and locally. And then I'll get some environment through the work that I do online by just kind of like surrounding myself with like-minded people and just kind of like positioning myself based on like my passions, my values, or maybe my drive and work ethic and trying to find like-minded people that keep me moving forward. Because like, if you don't have that in your midst, it can get very tough when you face like an obstacle, like when gyms close or when you face an illness or you're not feeling well or you get injured, stuff like that. But on that topic, I can imagine you probably had your fair share of setbacks. How do you, what do you do? What is your process if you have an injury or something that you can't train or you aren't able to train or anything like that? How do you stay positive? Yeah, that's a great question. It's first and foremost, it's hard. It's hard mentally and it's hard physically regardless of the extent of the injury, what it is, what you can or cannot do when you're injured. So for myself, I have kind of like chronic knee injuries, and that stemmed when when I was competitive in, in footbag. And unfortunately, it's kind of carried over 18, 17, 18 years later into my powerlifting career. But if I have an athlete who gets injured, the first thing that I say is that it's it's only a detour. It's not a roadblock. This isn't the end. We will get past this. Because I know for some people, and again, I, I can get the same way, it can become very catastrophic or feel like it's very catastrophic. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, I can't, I can't do deadlifts anymore. My, my powerlifting career is over. All our training is, is meaningless. What am I even doing when that's absolutely not the case? So I really try to help them find a mindset that's basically going to, you know, get them into a calmer state so that they have reassurance that, no, it's, this isn't the end. And then after that, it's, again, depending on the injury, it's like, well, say we can't do deadlifts, just to lean into that example. What are other movements that we can do? And how can we maintain the adaptations and the strengths and not let all this hard work go to waste? So what can we do to maintain everything while we let your your injury kind of like resolve itself? And so it really becomes a creative process with lots of communication from the athlete in terms of keeping them keeping them active, keeping them moving while addressing what needs to be addressed and letting the body do what it needs to do to get better. And then after we find that, I also try to kind of like have them shift their focus. So say they can't deadlift. Well, what about squats? Okay, what if, okay, maybe squats we have to maintain for now and we can't push. But what about bench press? We can do those. So let's focus on that. And so just to tie in with the kind of like the the mental aspect of it, really trying to help the athlete focus on the things that they can focus 
and continue to push and pursue while doing what we need to do to back off to let the injury kind of like settle itself, whether it's they need to go to a physio, whether it's just load management or if it's time away completely, like whatever we need to do. And so I find that helps to keep the motivation high. That helps to keep the athlete grounded and it gives them confidence because then as soon as everything is okay, then we can slowly start incorporating those movements back in. And then for a lot of times, it's actually they come back stronger because in one way, injuries, if we want to look at it from an optimistic point of view, they can give us information in terms of what the weak link is. And so we know what we need to address moving forward when we're able to. And so that when we get to that same point, kind of like pre-injury, the athlete is in a much better position to be able to continue progressing or continue with their training. So that's that's kind of how I tend to handle it. But the biggest thing is just the mindset and the mentality and then directing their focus because the the worst thing for, well, especially with like the powerlifting athletes, the worst thing you can do is just to stop everything. Like if, you're, if your knee hurts, how come we're not bench pressing? How come we can't do rows? How come we can't do you know, the the arm arm workout, 5,000 blaster, whatever. Like, there's lots that we can do, so let's just keep our focus, and then we'll just slowly incorporate those other movements after everything starts to feel better, so. I mean, that sentiment is so underrated just because, like, a lot of people will face injury, and in a lot of cases, what they got injured doing or what the injury stops them from being able to do is such a big part of their identity that it can be utterly soul crushing, but we completely forget like the legitimacy of just like focusing our attention to something that we truly can do. Like you, the thing that got my attention when you're talking there was saying like the arm blaster 5,000. Cause it's like there, it would, it's one of those things that if you dive into it, you can learn so much about yourself. And while it might not seem realistic to somebody at first, like, oh, you're just going to train arms. It's like, there's going to be such a benefit from that, like such a confidence boost. Like it'll be a vehicle for your next big move. You're likely to discover something that you wouldn't have learned about yourself otherwise. It gives you a reason to stay around like all your people that you're training with or maybe invest in things. Like perhaps that's the reason the person gets like a cool little cable attachment for their like living room or something. Like there's all these different facets to just like choosing something to lean into. One of the things that sometimes crosses my mind for, for people in our space, because for so many of us, like our whole like lives revolve around fitness. It's like, what do you do for fun? I work out. No, but what do you really do for fun? I do things that are an outcome of me having worked out. And it's just like, what, who are you when there's no more fitness equipment, when there's no more workouts? Like what, what is the other side of your personality? Because this is a tough question for a lot of people in our space, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you to the test. That is a good question. When I'm out of that space, oh, I'm a gamer. <laughs> I, love, I love gaming. And I've met somebody who I'm very fortunate enough to be able to share that with. So my wife is also a gamer. I don't know. I'm, I would consider myself to be an introvert, but I'm 
very empathetic. So I feel like, yeah, spending spending time with people who mean a lot to me goes a long way for me. Right now, it's my family. Uh, well, given given training for nationals has been kind of the priority, I haven't been able to do that as much, which kind of breaks my heart. But yeah, that's a good question. A lot of my identity is kind of wrapped up into being a power lifter, uh, being an athlete, and being a coach. But especially right now, is you know the the Byron identity isn't actually very big, which is pretty unfortunate. <laughs> but again, after after this national competition, I'm going to be taking a little bit of a step back in that regard, hoping to kind of grow that identity a little bit more. But I like Carl's Jr. and I like eating baked goods. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was funny. I was watching your Instagram story just ahead of our recording today, and I, it was just the picture of the brownies, and I was yeah. I was never here, and I was I would do that same thing. I have yeah. used that line before, yeah. and it's just like. That's sort of the thing that we don't often talk about in this space because it's like you want to make it as long-term of a journey as you can. And so it's just like just like we have to build in some of the work within like our training to make sure that we are like reducing our risk of an injury coming up because of like any kind of like an area of weakness or vulnerability. It's important to me at least. My bias is that I think we often need to take sort of a critical look in the mirror and be like, okay, what are the other aspects of life that need to be invested into consistently on a week by week, year by year basis to ensure that those aspects are still present and healthy years from now. And like, I witness you doing it. You're on track. It's you're good because I get to see kind of like the little like highlights of like how important your family is to you and stuff like that. And kind of getting to see like how everything intertwines like, I mean, some of your like pre-workout snacks. I don't think you'd have had if, if you didn't have a family, what is happening? Yeah. Um, but it's just like, that is when you're setting somebody up to be on this fitness journey in this fitness career into their 40s, into their 50s, 60s, thinking about their retirement, how do they want to like live out the rest of their life? You have to kind of like think about what are the other buckets that need to be served or like poured into. And so like, I guess the reason that I bring it up is that sometimes like a younger person in the space will see someone who's been doing it for a while and they'll think only to the PRs that they're setting and maybe like the the career goals that they're going after and they'll think that it all comes with the sacrifice of these other things. I think that we need to find a way to maximize on our time and push ourselves and reach new heights while also integrating these other aspects of life. Because like, while we may be just crushing it in life or at least making our very best attempt to consistently put our best foot forward in life, Nobody can get through life by themselves. Everybody's dynamic is going to look different, but like we all need to have something in place, like a scaffolding in place, so that like when it rains and pours, you have somebody to kind of like lean on and somebody that can be like, hey, get your ass back in the gym, something like that. Like, or hey, remember who you are and go do your arm blaster 5,000, just like you said on that podcast. Like these little like 
nudges and pushes and stuff. Cause I'll give you like my first hand example. Like the, the whole reason that I started doing jujitsu is because I had people around me who were in a position where they could kind of give me like a nudge and a bit of an aggressive poke that was like, Hey, and go do jujitsu. Like just get in there. Like one of my good friends, he basically said, try it for a month. And if you don't like it, I'll eat my words. And so now I've been doing it for like five months. Yeah. I want everybody else to do it. I'm talking about it every chance that I get. So like he wasn't wrong, but like it did take a bit of like a, a poking and a prodding and a little bit of like almost just waking up and choosing violence. Yeah. <laughs> to get yeah. Into it. But that's sort of like a necessary part of life. Like that's, we need to have those people positioned in our lives to ensure that we get to that end goal. Otherwise we'll sell ourselves short. Yeah. Yeah. No, when, when you think about like clients that you've worked with and we're going to use the term comeback story, because that's, I think one of my favorite ways to describe it. Can you think of a time or an example when somebody just like showed you their comeback story when I was like, Oh wow, you've come so far. Does any does any particular scenario kind of pop up for you? Yeah, absolutely. Immediately I think about my my one athlete, Kayla. So even before we started working together, I've known her for a long time. And when she first got into powerlifting, like her work ethic is insane. Like she'll stop at nothing. And and I mean nothing. Like she some of her work days would be sixteen hours long with twenty kilometers of bushwalking and then she still does food prep and then she still does her training. Like it's absolutely insane. But again, before we started working together she started having hip issues and they've been nagging her and nagging her and nagging her. And I think it was the better part of almost four years of hip issues that prevented us from being able to like squat or deadlift or at least not in a meaningful way to to get at the level that she's capable of and then it was just it took so long to kind of get over it and to assess it and to to do what we need to do for her to get better and, and a lot of different insights and a lot of professional medical help with that too. But as soon as we did, like she hit her first 300 pound squat, like three weeks ago, like it is absolutely insane. And to think just like a year before that, like she was squatting 135. And I, and the biggest thing was, Again, with like the remaining focused and everything like that was like, it feels good now, but we're going to take this slow. And if it feels good, we're just going to keep going. And then sure enough, a year later, she's she's hitting numbers that she she thought she would never hit just because she was dealing with, with those issues for so long. So that, that's probably one of the biggest comeback stories that I can think of right now. And the most prominent and the one that's kind of like... The forefront of my mind because yeah that that was very recent mm-hmm. yeah she she didn't think that she was ever going to hit a squat pr again for for just how uh, how big of an issue it was and how how long we've been dealing with it but yeah we, we've overcome it and then now we're just cruising so yeah it's very exciting 
That's awesome. I mean, like, as you're describing that scenario, it kind of got me thinking about, like, I wonder what other people's drive is to, like, go after things. I know for myself, I know my reason to keep pushing, and I know that you would have your reason to keep pushing, but from the perspective of a coach, and you could cluster together a few examples to kind of, like, come up with your answer, but what do you think it is that, like, drives, like your average person that you work with to keep pushing the needle with the help of your insights and feedback. But what is it within them that inspires them to just keep bringing that next level of themselves? I think it's, I think it's as a coach, it's actually Mike Tashir kind of brought this up. I think it was like a day or two ago in one of his stories where he made a little bit, a little comment about it, but like coaches are like gardeners. Like we don't, we don't just create these superhuman beings who are, you know, all powerful and and whatnot. No, we're nurturers. We're growers. We see the seed of potential and we nurture it, and we just give it. We give it a guiding hand. Like that, that's all we do. It's, and I think for a lot of people, they just don't really realize that they they have that seed. Like. A lot of people just don't realize what they they truly are capable of, and and so either for for whatever reason they're too scared to try, they have no direction, they're afraid of getting hurt or anything like that. So, as a as a trainer and as a coach, you're a nurturer. It's like you instill them confidence in themselves. You give them, you know, a safety net in terms of they're moving within kind of like a the spectrum of safety I'll, I'll say just because I'm not one to say this form is good and this form is bad and there's nothing in between no it's a spectrum between this is optimal this is bad anything in between is really we can work within that so allowing kind of clients and athletes to grow within those that nurturing environment honestly is they're they're the ones kind of creating it themselves and I think as their time goes on and as they start doing things that they never really thought that they could do that just starts to that confidence just starts to to flower and then really it's just we just need to keep watering it yeah there might there might be an ice storm that comes if we're going to go with the gardening uh analogy but don't worry coach has got his umbrella you know what i mean like there's going to be hiccups and everything like that there's going to be life is going to get in the way but I'm the one that's going to help to navigate all those things. All you have to do is just keep blooming. That's all you got to do. Keep growing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that analogy was beautiful. <laughs> and that's Mike Tushier. He used that analogy. I just, I read it and it's like, it's so true. We're just nurturers. We're just showing a path. You know, as long as they're, they feel safe, as they're enjoying the experience. And if they are seeing that progress, then it's, it, it, it's almost you, you just start developing that internal motivation. I guess in the beginning, coaches and trainers, they're, they're that external motivation. They're what keeps you accountable and, and everything like that. But, I mean, given time, it's just you're just nurturing what what will be there to keep them going long term. And then they, then they really start to realize that there's a lot more for them to take than what they thought before. 
Yeah, I mean, even just like, well, first and foremost, I'm glad that that was where you got the inspiration from, because I know it'll resonate with a lot of people. That's like Mike Tashir. I'm not too familiar with him personally, but some of my friends are either coached by him or learn from him or really look up to him. And so that'll be a name that'll probably resonate with a few people. But like, secondly, just that little piece of just like, for people to realize what they're actually capable of, like while they have the opportunity to make that realization like that for me, it resonates because I had, I've coined it my quarter life crisis where I switched careers and just kind of realizing what kind of a lifestyle I could create for myself. And then just watching that transform, like obviously at the start, it's like, okay, we got some rainstorms and stuff. If somebody could bring me an umbrella, that would be kind of nice. And then it kind of evolves to like figuring out how to face like unforeseen challenges and obstacles and then really starting to see yourself like hit your stride mm-hmm. and then being able to see it reflect in that same way through other people. But it's just for that to happen, like just with any other human being is such a exciting time like to be able to see like the spark in their eyes when they're like i can do this like for myself the best example is like i'll set somebody up on something like the leg extension and bump it up like 40 pounds like oh that's like pounds heavier than i used to be able to do and i'm like well let's go (laughs) it's happening (laughs) like you just you put them through another exercise that tells you fairly clearly that they're going to be able to do this and just to see you get to witness this whole like facial change when they used to leg extension 80 pounds and now they're leg extensioning 120 pounds it's like yeah you did that watch out yeah. world everybody unlock your doors <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. come in yeah. uh, like that that's the magic of this stuff and just how it can where I tend to pay attention is how it changes other aspects of people's lives. Mm-hmm. Like you start training somebody and then all of a sudden you start to see their confidence change. And maybe like you start where that person is living a solo life and then they went out felt feeling more confident and then met somebody that they cared about. And then they start doing workouts together and then they create another person. That person's doing workouts. Like, it's just like, it's the gift that keeps on giving this whole confidence thing. Or maybe yeah. some people start off doing a job that they hate and they get confidence from the gym and then they go out into the world and they decide that they want to do a different job and they crush it. Like that's the value of, of fitness and just creating like this, this lifestyle where it's like, we're not just going to stop in our thirties. We're going to just, put the foot on the gas in our forties. And then if we, when we're in our fifties, we'll see how much more we can do. We're like basically until we collapse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So as we basically wrap this episode up, I'm curious to know when you're thinking about 2023, is there anything that stands out to you? Do you have like sort of like a mantra or like a theme or something that kind of keeps you grounded or focused Anything like that for this year? And this will be this will be a good year, I feel like. There's a lot of big things that will be happening for myself this year, both from like a, a business and coaching standpoint and a personal standpoint, and I guess from an athletic standpoint too. So again, Nationals is happening next week, and I'm excited for that because there's always, there's always experience that I can take from it, even though, again, like... 
you're always a student, right? Like you never know everything. And I think the more you know, the more you realize you don't know and you need to know more. So I'm really excited to kind of like experience that. I'm going to be with the help of one of my clients and athletes. We're going to be hosting our own powerlifting competition. Now that's completely new. You know, I've I've competed in powerlifting. I coach in powerlifting. I've volunteered at powerlifting competitions, but I've never hosted a competition. So that's going to be a really new and exciting venture. And it's another way for for me to give back to the powerlifting community. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then also, like, my wife and I are going to be having our second little one. And so that's going to be really exciting. So I think in terms of mantras and themes for 2023, I I think there's going to be a lot of growth and a lot of learning involved. And a lot of it's going to come from the personal level. And that part I'm really excited for. Because I feel like, well, especially with the events of the last few years, and even to just starting my own coaching business amid a pandemic, I've been nothing but gung-ho and just focused on the business side of it. So I'm actually really excited and I'm really looking forward to putting that on hold or maintenance, so to speak, and now really just starting to grow like, as Byron. <laughs> not as coach, not as athlete, but as a, a husband and a father, and just for me personally. So that's what I'm really excited about for this year. I dig it. And it's cool because, like, I often tell people this. I'm like, okay, like, we're going to publish this, and then one day you might look back and you're going to be able to reflect on this stuff. Like, I know for myself, I go back to some of the original episodes that I recorded back in 2018. I'm like, wow, like... Or I'll look at, like, I'll have had a guest and they'll have talked about something that they wanted to do. Like, I'll give you an example. Episode one of the podcast was with my friend Blake Fillion. I met him when I used to do CrossFit back in, like, 2016 or 17 or something. And we just always enjoyed doing workouts together, so we kind of hit it off. And so I chose him to be my first podcast guest because he had so many talents and so many cool stories and such a, like, refreshing perspective. And in that episode, he talked about how one of his goals was to get his pilot's license and perhaps fly his own plane. And then it was, I think, last year we went to his airplane hangar into his airplane and we flew up and we recorded a bit of it. We we had some issues with cameras due to heat and everything, but like we actually captured part of a podcast and in his plane. So it's just like... What can happen when we look back and we start to reflect on how far people can come? And like, we can do that with basically everybody, like, whether it be from the perspective of you reflecting on your clients or me reflecting on my clients or past podcast guests. Like, it's such a cool thing, which is a great segue to my last and final question for you, which is kind of like a throwback. Because in the original episodes of the show, probably the first, like, 75 to 100 episodes. I think we're in like the 300s itch now. It kind of depends when you started counting and what you're counting. But I used to ask people this one question. It was like, if you could give a person one piece of advice on how to live their life to the fullest and the most authentic way, what would that piece of advice be? Don't give up on your passion. 
I never have. Yeah, I never have. And, well, I I won't say I've made the smartest decisions every single time. I have no regrets when it comes to following my passions. And it's always led me to bigger and greater things. So whatever, whatever that looks like, whether if, whatever the passion is and the magnitude in which you want to pursue it, don't give up on it. That one, like I back it up 100% because I can definitely speak for myself when I, when I say like, there's certainly been times when I thought like, Oh, maybe I should throw in the towel. Maybe I should give up. And the fact that I simply just kind of followed that little kind of like voice in my head that was like, no, don't give up. Like keep going. That's the reason why I've seen progress in my own goals and my own path is just simply from like keeping it simple and not overcomplicating it and just like not quitting, not giving up. And it doesn't have to look perfect and it doesn't have to be mistake free. I think we all make mistakes and we all kind of like stumble and trip and fall and get back up eventually. But hopefully people take that one to heart. Yeah. Yeah. And you will make mistakes and you will stumble and you will fall. And there'll be times when it's, it'll be the hardest thing to do, but just because it's hard doesn't mean you should quit. If, if everything was easy, everybody would be doing everything, right? You know, no, and it's like the, the harder it is to achieve something and the more effort you put into something, the more you're going to get out of it, right? Like, like you're going to feel so much better when you've achieved something under hardship and, and strife and consistency and patience rather than the instant gratification of, I found $10 on the sidewalk. Wow, that's awesome, right? Rather than, wow, I turned my passion into a career and now I love what I do and it doesn't even feel like a job. Like, it's there's no comparison. Totally. You nailed it. And with that, we will draw our episode to a close. I would like to thank you so much, Byron, for coming on the show and joining me on the Lifestyle Chase podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me, Chris. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed our time together.